Steve Cohen and the Wilpons have signed an agreement on a sale. So now it is just up to the rest of Major League Baseball's owners to approve of Cohen as owner of the New York Mets, and that will be that. Pete McCarthy with Tim Britton. Tim, what are your thoughts? Is is this it? You know, like we, we go back to December 4th when this first broke. So that's what? Uh, nine months ago and a lifetime ago in in 2020 years um you know it's it's been a, a weird ride to arrive at the same place uh that you know we had the december agreement and it seemed like this was going to happen and then in in february and march it seemed like it, it would never happen for steve cohen in particular uh and now we're here and I don't really know how to react. Like, how are you reacting as a Mets fan? Is this is this the day? Is this like everything is changing from here on forward? Is is the day back in December when they talked about selling the team? Is the day when like the official transfer happens? I don't know what what hmm. day marks the real change for the Mets at this point. Well, I think Mets fans are celebrating each little step <laughs> along the way, whether it's a report or an agreement or uh, when. The other owners do potentially sign off on Steve Cohen as the next owner. I think there's so much frustration. Uh, we know there's so much frustration among Mets fans with the Wilpons, with the way the Mets have been run over the years, that they just want fresh blood. And I can't wait to hear from Steve Cohen at some point because we don't really know. I think Mets fans are hoping this is a fan who made a lot of money in his private life is buying this is like a yacht, a toy. Uh, he wants to see the Mets win a World Series. He's going to make it happen before he goes, right? I mean, that kind of attitude coming in. Whereas we don't know if he's looking at this from more of a business perspective. We do know uh, that the Mets are a team he grew up rooting for. And we had the one statement when Tom Seaver passed from Cohen where it seems like the Mets are in his blood. Well, this is this is the ownership group that is not willing to guarantee a World Series in the first 10 years, like Alex Rodriguez and Jennifer Lopez were willing. Yeah, I, I think the fan base has assumed certain things about what a Cohen ownership will look like. We don't know for sure what it will look like. You know, no is a strong word. Um, I, I think the... I think it's reasonable to assume that it will be different from a Wilpon ownership, that it will be that it will spend more than a Wilpon ownership. I think the the best case scenario is something like we've seen from the Dodgers in the last nine years since they were sold by Frank McCourt uh, to uh, the, the Guggenheim group, you know, the Mark Walter and all those people, and that they spent a lot more and they've been really good since then. They haven't won a World Series necessarily, but they've been in the conversation ever since then. Uh, that's the hope if you're a Mets fan is that that is what is in your future, that this is a team that is going to spend commensurate with its market. you know. And, and even if Steve Cohen isn't that guy necessarily, it should still be uh, a bit more uh, expensive to run this team than it has been under the Wilpons for the last decade uh, since the Madoff stuff. You know, the, the Wilpons spent a fair amount in the, two, the, decade, in the 2000s decade but in this, this last one, especially the first half of the decade, it was a different spending environment for them. And that's held this franchise back. So I think it's there is plenty of reason to be optimistic. It's really just determining the magnitude of your optimism at this point. Yeah, and I think you look at the Mets, they've really drafted well over the last decade now. Uh, they've had a, a number of players come up and have success, whether it be position players or pitchers. And what they haven't been able to do over the years 
is supplement their core with free agents that have contributed uh, through trades and you name it. You can point to Brody Van Wagenen as part of that, but certainly uh, the lack of payroll at times has been a, a factor and perhaps has hamstrung the front office over the uh, the past few years, and they haven't hit on those lower-priced guys in a way that they had previously with you know, someone like Bartolo Colon or you know, grabbing R.A. Dickey off the scrap heap. There just hasn't been enough of that for this Mets team, and so you have this playoff drought that might very well be extended, and we'll get into the Mets' playoff chances right after this. This is the Athletics Shield Kapadia here to tell you about Liquid IV. Nobody likes to feel dehydrated. Maybe you get a little bit of a headache, dry mouth. You just don't feel like yourself. But believe it or not, dehydration still occurs daily in three out of four people. With Liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. Each serving helps you get as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. Maybe you use it after a really intense workout. Maybe you went out socially distanced with friends and had a couple extra beers the night before. That's where Liquid IV comes in. It is healthier than those sugary sports drinks, no artificial flavors or preservatives, and less sugar than an apple. Plus, it contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. And Liquid IV is on a mission to change the world. Liquid IV is donating 3.7 million servings in response to COVID-19. Products are being donated to hospitals, first responders, food banks, veterans, and active military. Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco and Target, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. Well, the Mets just lost two out of three in Buffalo against the Toronto Blue Jays. Just one of those things this year. Uh, but Tim, I mean, their playoff chances—it's it, not looking great as, as we hit the home stretch. Two weeks to play. They're at about twenty-five percent on fan graphs. What's it going to take here? Yeah, I mean, watching the team, it, it feels enough to bury them, right? Like the, this is a team that hasn't won more than three games in a row all season. Like you look at. I mean, just in terms of series wins, they've, they've won two series from the Marlins this year. The only other series they've won is the three quote-unquote home games against the Yankees, which doesn't really feel like a series win because they were take, taking place simultaneously with a series loss at the Yankees. So they just haven't been able to build positive momentum. And you go back to last week, you come from behind against Baltimore on Wednesday night uh, to win that game, which seemed like a must-win at the time. Mm-hmm. You You run through the Blue Jays on Friday night, 18 to one as thorough a performance as you've had all year. And then Saturday is one of those, like there's nothing the Mets did wrong really on Saturday. It's just one of those tight games you lose. Well, the last Sun- play of the game was pretty wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So I grant you that touche. <laughs> uh, the last play of the game is one of those mistakes you should not make. Uh, and then Sunday you have, a dreadful sixth inning with your bullpen with Brad Brock and Jared Hughes, where you walk the first four guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's one of those things where you look at this team and you say that, you know, you're, you're talking about the core that they have there. The core is good. There's a lot of good players here. You look at the talent of this team versus the talent they have in, in Miami, in San Francisco, in Milwaukee, in front of you, in Colorado, even in Philadelphia, in front of you, that's a lot of teams that are in front of you in the standings that you say, this team should be better than on paper 
and it hasn't turned out in theory or sorry in practice this year uh, and this weekend was a, a, a really good example of them just falling short in terms of building the necessary momentum you know they're at 21 and 26 you think they probably have to get you know, I don't think they need necessarily 30 or 31 wins to make the playoffs. It might take 28 or 29, given the, the state of the National League. But even that seems difficult, given that they haven't been able to put together four straight wins in a long time uh, because the starting pitching hasn't been there behind Jacob deGrom. Do you consider the Mets underachieving? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're underachieving in the sense, first of all, that the way they performed on the... F- they're underachieving the way they've, they've performed on the field, like... Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at base runs and second order winning percentage and things mm. like that and run differential. This is a team that should be uh, over 500. This is a team that should be closer to Atlanta, really, when you look at uh, just the distribution of hits and the, the problems with runners and scoring position. Uh, and in a small sample, that really makes a big difference. And then I think if you just want to look at talent level versus performance, mm. certainly the starting rotation and, and Syndergaard's injury and Stroman's opting out hurt you. But even then... Uh, that you've gotten so little out of the Mats Waka Porcello trio. Uh, we can argue about Rick Porcello. His FIP is so much better than his ERA. His FIP is under three, which is wild when his ERA is over six. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's still like he's probably somewhere in the middle. Uh, it's not like you expect him to have an ERA of three, given the way he's performed. Um, so it, it just seems overall like, yeah, like this team should be if you have an eight-team playoff system, we talked about it before the season, there's no excuse for this team not to be one of the top eight teams. And certainly, if a Miami Marlins team that had to use three-quarters of its AAA roster for a large chunk of this season because of their own COVID outbreak early in the year has been ahead of you the entire season, there is no single day of this season that the Mets have been ahead of the Marlins in the schedule uh, or in the standings. Um, like, that is an underachiever. You cannot finish behind the Marlins the way and coming into the season, you shouldn't finish behind the Marlins. And certainly given what's happened to them, you shouldn't finish behind them. Yeah. And, and the Giants, another team that you can put in that category, not for the coronavirus reasons, as you mentioned, but uh, certainly in terms of talent. And when you talk about uh, talented players and their performance not adding up, I mean, my mind goes to Ahmed Rosario at this point. He had the dreadful out uh, to end the game on Saturday. We'll get into him in a moment. Hi, this is The Athletic's Joe Posnanski for Liquid IV. Believe it or not, dehydration occurs daily in three out of four people. With Liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. Each serving helps you as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. And in this case, I can tell you that I love Liquid IV. I use it. Uh, It is, uh, first of all, it tastes pretty good. And uh, when I go out, I play uh, some tennis trying to stay in shape. And it has been uh, fantastic for me as far as staying hydrated. Uh, I've felt uh, better rested uh, after uh, after matches. I've I feel uh, I feel a lot better. It's I, it really works. It's really good. One serving. Let me give you the uh, the info here. One serving of Liquid IV provides the same hydration as two or three bottles of water alone, as I mentioned before. Contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. Okay, healthier than sugary sports drinks, no artificial flavors or preservatives. Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco and Target, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code word athletic at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use the promo code athletic at liquidiv.com. 
Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. Well, Rosario, look, Andres Jimenez has taken over part of his job now at shortstop. He got a couple of starts this weekend. Saturday gets some hits, performs well offensively, and then is picked off first base to end the ball game, which just absolutely can't happen in that situation. And you look at his performance at shortstop. He's regressed defensively, offensively. Fani had some hits this weekend, but... Uh, he hasn't done the things he did in the second half last year, and it's hard to say just get rid of the guy or something along those lines, but I'd be far more interested now in seeing him in center field, and I'd be willing to pass that shortstop position off to Jimenez uh, as you start to look into next year. Where do you think the Mets are at this point with just two weeks to go? Yeah, it's it's a complex evaluation because you say – for for like there's no dancing around what Rosario has done this season. It's been bad. Like, you know, it it's been bad in the primary statistics, it's been bad in a lot of the secondary ones. Like you can explain his problems. He's expanded his strike zone, which means he's in worse counts most of the time because he's swinging and missing. Uh, so he's been behind in the count a larger percentage of the time than he's been ahead of the count compared to last year and play discipline was never his strength to begin with. Uh, and then there's a lot of times where he's swinging out of the strike zone and making contact, which is even worse because you're putting the ball into play weekly. Uh, and his contact numbers in terms of exit velocity and those things are down from previous years. So those things are all bad signs moving forward. You say to yourself, it's 120, 125 plate appearances to this point. You don't want to condemn a guy based completely off of that. But then you look at Andres Jimenez uh, and certainly the offense has been better than Rosario this year. And that's not Rosario, that's not Jimenez's strength necessarily. The defense has clearly been better. And this is a, a, a spot where the Mets haven't had a plus defender at any position in a while, let alone at a premium position like shortstop. And the way their lineup is, you can imagine going into 2021 and saying, we don't necessarily know what Andres Jimenez can be for us defensively or offensively. But even if he's not a... The, the kind of 280 hitter that he's been this year, if he's back down to a, a 240 hitter the way he was in the minor leagues for a stretch, we can carry that because the rest of the lineup is good and this gives us a defensive presence mm -hmm. we haven't had. So that's the, the issue with Rosario. And, and you mentioned the game on Saturday. Like Every time you want to take a step forward with him, he had three hits in that game. He even reached off of the, the strikeout wild pitch in the, the last inning. Then he gets picked off in a situation where he's not even looking to steal. I mean, he has no instincts, like, Rosario. Yeah, like, nothing has come natural to him as a as a baseball player. You know, base running, he doesn't steal, even if he has some speed. Like at least Jimenez, uh, yeah, I, look, I know it's the cliche, but he's a baseball player. Like he does the fundamental things correctly. Yeah, I mean, you. I think we make fun of managers sometimes that they go back to that cliche of like, well, he's a baseball player. And that's that's like the nicest compliment they can give mm -hmm. a guy. But you understand it in the context of Jimenez versus Rosario. Jimenez, like Rosario is faster than Jimenez. That's undeniable. Strong. Jimenez has uh, six or seven stolen bases this year. Rosario has not attempted a stolen base. The only caught stealing he has is that pickoff on Saturday. Uh, so that like... That, that's what gets to you is you see the tools with Rosario. Mm. You see the potential to be so many different things on the field, but now you've looked at it for a couple of years and it's not there yet. And like, I would say at this point, I don't think you trade him this offseason unless there's another team that really is willing to bet on him, is willing to give you mm -hmm. a reasonable middle of the rotation starter or a 
catcher, something that fits your win now team, not a prospect necessarily. Uh, but then part of me wants to, to to hang on to him to see what happens going forward. I don't know where you play him, if it's center field, if he can handle that. The offense this year doesn't justify going to center field. He's not good enough offensively to play anywhere at this point. Um, but you still don't want to give up on him wholeheartedly yet because you've seen what those tools can be when they're going well, the way they were in the second half last year. So I, I think it's a really complicated decision that, uh, you know, there's a lot of fans who just like get rid of him. Like I'm, I'm tired of this. I want to move on. Uh, but there's still the, the chance that he turns into something really good. Yeah. You don't want to trade low, but right. you can't depend on him to be your leadoff guy going into next year, obviously. So you know, there's got to be some of that gray area. And maybe, look, Rosario's competing for a job going into camp next year. I think that would be very fair as well. But, you know, I don't want to look too far ahead. This 2020 season still in play for the Mets. I'll say this. This is a must-win series against the Philadelphia Phillies. I'm not saying they had a sweep, but they got to take two out of three in Philadelphia. We'll be back with you on Friday with the next edition of the Metrospective. Talk then, Tim. Adios, Pete.